I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. This talk wraps up our four-week teaching series, What Lies Beneath. Eric addresses the issue of compassion as he impacts chapter four with some great principles on how to pass on God's love for people, no matter who they are or where they come from. chapter 4, we find Jonah all over the place emotionally. I mean, he has some ups, and then he has some downs, and then he's up one more time, and then he's down. He is just a wreck, which leads us to our big idea for today. And that is, life isn't all about me. It's not. Life is not all about me. And that can be really hard for us at times. And this is what we discover, this is what we find in chapter 4. I'd like to read through this entire chapter, and out of respect for God and his word, I'd like for you to stand with me. Verse 1 says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. If you remember in chapter 3, God changed his mind, because the people changed. They repented, and so God chose not to punish them, and of course, this gets Jonah pretty excited. Verse 2, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So just kill me now. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? No response. Verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and he made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. Like this is a great thing. And this eased his discomfort and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. And then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God, we're thankful for what we find here, and we're so grateful for the life of Jonah. And as we jump into this, God, help us to be awake and ready to do whatever it is that you ask of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. I want to make three observations based on what we've just read, and here's observation number one. 
Jonah loved God's program of forgiveness, but didn't want to pass it on to others. I mean, Jonah was all fired up about the fact that God had forgiven him. He really, really liked that. He enjoyed that, but he did not want to extend that to the people around him, which is very interesting, very interesting, because Jonah works for God. That's like his boss. Jonah is a prophet. And if anybody should get that if you have been forgiven by God, you need to extend that to other people. You need to pass that on. It should be Jonah. I mean, he should understand this. He should know this, but not the case. Quite honestly, I think Jonah wanted to see the place go up in smoke. I mean, he wanted to see the city burn, and he went out and set up a little camp for himself to be able to watch that. That's really what he wanted. It's interesting because if you look at what happens in Jonah chapter 4 and compare that to Jonah chapter 2, you've got a different conversation that Jonah's having with God. In chapter 2, Jonah is giving a lot of praise to God. Like, oh God, you're going to rescue me. Thank you. I appreciate this. This is great. In chapter 2, Jonah is focusing on God and all of his attributes. In chapter 2, Jonah is kind of happy and content, even though he's inside of a fish. He's pretty content there because he knows that God sees and hears and God will rescue. In chapter 4, though, Jonah is hot and agitated and very angry at everything that is going on around him. And in chapter 4, we find that he has a consuming focus on just himself. As a matter of fact, if you read through chapter 4, you find nine different references to I or me. Jonah was just consumed with himself. Think about this for a moment. God's program of forgiveness is rich. It is very rich. And I love, I mean, I absolutely love the fact that God has forgiven me. And sometimes I find that to be very motivating. God has forgiven me? Are you kidding? Like, this is a really good deal. And that's where we find Jonah. He's excited about the fact that God has forgiven him and used him again. But all of a sudden, he gets really angry and very frustrated, and he doesn't want to pass that on to other people. He doesn't want the Ninevites to experience the same thing. So let me ask you this question. Are you soaking up God's forgiveness for you? Like, oh, this is wonderful. I love what God has done for me. And you just soak all that up. And that's good. That's fair. But do you just soak that up and then turn around and not extend that to the people in your world and in your life who might need it the most? That's what's happening to Jonah He did not want to pass on what God had given to him. But life isn't all about me. It's not all about me. And sometimes what lies beneath that nobody sees and nobody observes, sometimes what is under the surface is a consuming focus on what I want, and it's not a good thing. Here's observation number two. 
God often provides in ways that totally stretch us. He does. And here's what I mean by that. God has this unique ability to send things our way that shake out what's happening on the inside. See, we can only hide that for so long from the people around us because God has this unique ability to stretch us and just shake all of that junk right out. You see this in verse 4? The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? You see that word angry in verse 4? That word means to become furious or hot. To burn is the idea of the word. And it actually comes from the Hebrew word kara. Sounds like something a bird would say. Kara. Like a crow would say that because crows are angry birds. Uh, angry birds. All right, so this is where Jonah's at. He's just hot and he's agitated and he is angry and he is annoyed. And you know, I mean, you just know that God has to be thinking, come on, Jonah, get over yourself and give me a break. You just had a front row seat to watch the greatest turnaround in the history of the world. I mean, 120,000 people here have turned their hearts toward God, and you got to see that. You'd think Jonah would go on a tear here, like a tear in a good way, like, God, you are amazing, you are wonderful, thank you so much for choosing me. Even though I walked away from you, and even though I ignored you, and even though I said no directly to your face, you still set me up again, and I went back into that city, and you used me, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's not what happens here. As a matter of fact, Jonah is filled with kara. He is just burning hot on the inside because God was gracious. Do we ever get angry? I know I do. It happens to me. And I actually found this out the other day when I sat down for dinner with the family. And I decided to ask my kids as I was working on this a question. And so I asked them, Hey, do I ever get angry at anything? And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, they're going to say, no, Dad, you never really get mad. You never get upset. You never get angry at all. You're just marvelous and wonderful. But they didn't do that at all. They said, oh, yeah, you get angry. I'm like, come on. Tell me what I get angry about because I don't see it. I don't believe it. And I thought they'd have a hard time coming up with a particular item or topic, but they all in unison said, Dad. You get angry about the remote control for the TV. And I thought about it, and it's true. I do. I get angry about the remote control, but I want to tell you why, because I think it's actually a good reason. See, at my house, when I sit down to watch TV, you can never find the remote. And by never, I mean never. It is always gone 100% of the time. So I don't even bother making myself frustrated about looking for it. I just find whatever child is closest, and I say, you, you have a new job. I don't care what you were doing before. You can forget about that because I'm going to commission you to find the remote because the thing has legs or something. So you just go. You search. You find it. I'll be right here waiting for the remote. And they wander off, and within a few minutes, the remote normally comes back, and I get excited because I can finally watch TV, except for the fact that when I go to actually use the remote, I discover it has no batteries. 
because the batteries have been pillaged for another remote in the house somewhere, like a Wii or something like that, and I have no power to my remote control. So now I'm angry again, and now I have to find the next closest child and say, all right, you've got another job. You need to go and find me batteries. And so they scurry off, and they find me some batteries, and I put the batteries in. And then when you flip the remote over, I discovered that one of my kids had actually chewed off the buttons on the remote control. You can't even press the things to make it work. So yeah, guess what? I get mad about the remote once in a while because it never works for me. I get mad over the wrong stuff. And I would imagine if we walked around the room and talked to you, you'd probably say, yeah, you know what? I get mad about some of the wrong things too. And this is where we find Jonah, kind of upset about the wrong stuff. It actually gets better. Verse 6, And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Now, do you see that word discomfort in verse 6? It's the same word used to describe how evil the Ninevites were in chapter 1 and chapter 3. Now, we need to get this because it's really amazing to think about. The same word that God used to describe how evil the Ninevites were is the same word that God used to describe Jonah's attitudes. It was the same problem. Jonah's all fired up about how evil they were and how they had all these problems and was just focused on that. And God kind of brought it to his attention. He brought something his way because God has a unique way of shaking this stuff out of us where he says, Jonah, you have the same evil inside of you. It's your attitudes. God's not real happy with Jonah and yet he provides something for him. He's got this broad leafy plant and he's got some shade And Jonah's actually happy here for a bit in chapter 4, but God begins to shake some other stuff out of him. Verse 7, God also arranged for a worm. This is like my favorite verse in Scripture. It's just crazy. God provides a worm. Who knew? And the next morning at dawn, the worm that God provided ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot... God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah because God brings things into our lives to reveal what's on the inside. So here comes the scorching wind and the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and he wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. See, this is how you know only God could package this story because you've got a guy and a ship and a big fish and you've got a gigantic city, and you've got a plant, and you've got a worm, and you've got hot wind coming in. Only God is going to package all of this in such a way to get the attention of people. God provides in ways that totally stretch us and reveal our attitudes. Because sometimes what lies beneath the surface of our lives that nobody sees, nobody but us and God, is a really lousy attitude. Here's observation number three. God wants us to compassionately look out at others. This is what God is looking for, for you and for me. He wants us to compassionately look out at others. I love what happens toward the end of the chapter because God says, Jonah, 
you actually have a right to be aggravated and frustrated with that leafy plant? Jonah's like, yeah, I do have a right to be frustrated. I'm so angry, I would just rather die because of the plant. And God's like, well, it's really interesting to me because you did nothing. I mean, you did absolutely nothing to put that plant there, yet you have such passion for these broad leaves that are bringing shade into your life. And you did nothing for that. Now, Jonah, think about this. Verse 11. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, people that I love, people that I created, people that I care about, people that I want to come home to me. There's 120,000 people living there. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And what is absolutely stunning about this conversation is that it would appear that Jonah had lost all of his compassion. I mean, it's just gone. He doesn't even care about himself. He wants to die again. And not only does he not care about himself, but he certainly doesn't care about the people in the city of Nineveh. And God tried to shake this out of him. You have passion and compassion for a plant that you had nothing to do with. These people are individuals that I have created and I love, and they're living in spiritual darkness, and I want to rescue them. Shouldn't I have this desire in my heart? See, sometimes what lies beneath is a complete lack of compassion for other people. The book is interesting because it ends with the question. There's 66 different books in Scripture, and only two of them end with the question. Jonah is one of them. So it kind of leaves us hanging. I mean, what happens to this individual? What happens in this story? What happened to the guy who got thrown into the sea, swallowed by a fish, and ticked off by a worm? What happens to this guy? It's quite a life. Yeah, we really don't know. We really don't know what happens to Jonah after this, which makes this a very interesting thing to think through. And I want to just ask a series of questions because I think we have to wrap our minds around Jonah because it doesn't resolve. It's just left there like, what's going on? So here's a few questions. Are you enjoying God's forgiveness in your life but refusing to pass that on to others? I mean, do you just love the fact that God has forgiven you and you're soaking that all up but you don't actually give that out to the people who might need it most in your life, you're holding that back? What makes you angry? Is it the stuff that makes God angry? Injustice? Suffering? Or do you get angry at the wrong kinds of things? What makes you angry? In what ways is your life centered on what you want instead of what God wants for you. Is life all about you? Now, let's be honest. That happens so often and so fast to us. Is life just all about you and your shelter and your vine and your shade and your comfort? Or is there something for other people there? What would you be willing to sacrifice? 
to see 120,000 people turn their hearts toward God. About 120 people. How about one person? And what do you want the last chapter of your life to say? Do you want it just to be a hanging thing that doesn't have a lot of resolve? Or do you want to be known as a person who just goes all out for God? I think we're all aware of the different events that have happened at Penn State throughout the week. It's fair to say there are many individuals involved there who are finding the closing chapter to their career written or the closing chapter on their life written. And they probably wish they could do some different things. See, that's all out in front of us here today. We have the opportunity to think about this, and what do we want that closing chapter to say? What do we want that to look like? So here's some takeaways for us. First of all, forgiveness. Pass it on. I mean, just give it away. It's been freely given to you, so freely pass it on to other people. And maybe, just maybe, you're not living the kind of life that you want to live because you're refusing to forgive somebody in your life. So get free. Pass it on. Secondly, let God shake out your lousy attitudes. They're there. They exist for all of us. So just let God shake that out of you. And here's how you do that. Maybe today you just need to sit down and have an honest conversation with God and say, God, here's my life. Just show me the lousy attitudes that are there. If that seems a bit weird or a bit strange to you, then ask your kids to do that because they know your lousy attitudes or ask a good friend or ask your boss. They'll reveal that to you and then just ask God to shake that stuff right out. Let God shake out the lousy attitudes. And then finally... Allow compassion to reign. Allow compassion just to flood through your life that affects and touches other people. One of the great privileges that I have as the pastor here is I get to see different people doing that all of the time. And it's amazing. And I'm so proud of Valley Point Church and I'm excited about what's happening here. And we just walked through a week where a lot of people gave up time and money so that they could actually allow compassion to flow through them. We're not perfect. We don't always get this right, but it's happening. And people are being served and lives are being changed, including our own, as we allow compassion to flow through us. And I think Jonah would have so enjoyed a love week because it might have just helped him get really focused on God. And we have that opportunity. And so I've got some highlights that I want to share with you, and I want you just to watch as people allow compassion to flow through them. Check this out. Great stuff. You know, last week we delivered over 2,000 pounds of food and essential items to that food bank, and they were so thankful for us. And compassion is beginning to flow here, which is a beautiful thing. I love the book of Jonah because we discover so much there that sets us up for this life of compassion. We've discovered that God can and will get my attention because he's that big. He can. And God can bring order into my world of chaos. And so whatever chaos you might be walking through today, God can bring order into that. He's capable. 
And shame doesn't have to keep us from living a life of significance. It should motivate us to go and serve and love. And life isn't all about me. It's not. It's about what God wants to do through me. And so let's open our hearts to that. And I want to encourage you to take out your connection card because I want you to take a next step today. I don't want you to leave just hearing about this. I actually want you to take a step. And so there are three that are listed there. Perhaps your next step today is to say, I will chase forgiving others this week. Jonah had a hard time with that. And maybe God's really speaking to your heart about forgiving somebody. Maybe it seems like a small thing. Don't dismiss that. Don't push it out. Maybe this is the next step for you that you'll chase that this week. Or maybe your next step is to invite someone to join you next Sunday for the start of Core Values. We begin a new series. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it'd be great for you to invite somebody to fill the chair next to you. It'd be awesome. Or maybe your next step is to sign up for the next Valley Point Baptism, which is going to be next Sunday. And it's not too late for you to do that. You can still get in. And it's going to be a great time of watching people express life change. So you finish filling out that connection card. Our host team is going to come and we're going to receive our offering and you can take this card and whatever offering you might have now and place that in the basket as it's passed. And I'd like to invite you just to pray with me. God, we come to you and we say that you are amazing, so amazing use people like us and Jonah. We're thankful for that. So God, I pray that you'd help us to leave here changed and different from when we walked in the door. God, I pray that as we take this offering now, I pray that you would use it to help Valley Point encourage people to find real relationships that inspire real significance. God, we thank you for this day and for what you're doing in and through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 915.